0: I have this candle behind me. Did you see the candle? Nice. I, um... I learned from listening to uh, the Symbolic World podcast, uh, a great episode with Jonathan Pajot, and they were talking about the symbolism of the candle and of candle fire, especially with a tall candle. And it, it's, the symbol, symbolism has to do with uh, the altar, and in the altar you obviously burn things, and it has to do with prayer. And so I thought that I would get a tall candle uh, to symbolize prayer, and I want to light it as we go as we go to prayer, hopefully. And if you see anything burned down back there. So let's let me pray for us. Holy Father, we thank you for this time together that you've given to us. And we light this candle as a reminder that you give us the fire of your presence, the fire of, of being, of life. And we want our words and our thoughts and our hearts to rise to you right now. And I'm thinking also about the sanctuary and Jesus entering the sanctuary and how he um, just kind of went against what was going in there. And he was really wild and he did whatever it took to break through to the people because uh, you are a wild God. And uh, now... My prayer is that you do whatever you need to do to break through to us uh, personally to communicate your truth and your presence and your beauty in our conversation tonight. We pray for our families that you're with them and while we're away. And we also pray for our listeners that you would guide them, guard them, and break through to them as well. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks, with a couple of artists and it strikes me to ask what is art and i'd love to dig into that with you guys right now what is art what is the purpose of art jack how does your art fit in to any categories that could be out there so what is art let's start there i've i have heard I mean,
1: in the broadest terms, art is making something. Um, now, obviously you can go a lot of directions from there, but I think that's at, at its very beginning it is to make, which limits it to how many creatures in the world and all of creation are able to make art. <clears throat> not many things make things, I guess. Um, well, that's not true. I just got a picture of a beehive in my head. And that's a pretty intricate <laughs> thing to be made. Is, yeah, that, some... is that considered <laughs> art? I don't know.
2: Hmm.
3: Thinking of an oriole nest. Yeah. Um, you know, those great little bags that hang from trees. Um, so, I mean, but it's... Uh, again, it's... Uh, that's uh, We go right into the meat of like, well, you know, it's like there's things that are art and not art both at the all at the same time, sure. you know, sure. and, uh, it's, it's funny how that works. So, um, there's, um, there's, there's a kind of a direct, a little bit of a link between maybe consciousness and, um, intention and stuff. I mean, I, I would imagine maybe to the Oriole, it's not art at all, <laughs> you know, but. I'm not an Oriole, so it's kind of hard for me to (laughs) say that with any certain degree of certainty.
1: Um, Yes, the Orioles are offended that you would say they're not artists. Yeah, Uh, well, (laughs) I, I mean, I I'm trying to I'm trying to think too. I mean, if you went, you can you can go back through history and say there's things that have been made that are clearly only could be made by man, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. like like an arrowhead. It's a stone. Nature made the stone, but then mm-hmm. a man took that and made something and it's a tool primarily um, for hunting or for war or whatever, but it becomes um, it can also be beautiful. Right? So, I mean, there's there's a form to it. And the, the better of an arrowhead is made, I would assume, actually makes it more beautiful, there's symmetry to it, um, so that it can fly straight, so that it can pierce uh, its target and all those things. So, I mean, I think you can go back through history and say, mankind is a certain kind of maker uh, that is different than other creatures. Mm-hmm. And... To make something well, even if its primary purpose isn't to be beautiful, if, to make something well, tends to be made beautiful. Uh, mm-hmm. The function, the function arrives there with the beauty as well. A lot of times, not yeah. always, but uh-huh. often.
3: I think there's, you know, I think you know, there's the age-old like kind of maybe I w- there's a a long battle that I'm aware of between craft and art. You know, like people that want to say, mm-hmm. well, this is craft and this is art. Mm -hmm. And, and, but, but it's a really, it ultimate, it's a long debate because it's really, it's not an easy line to draw.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: And when you go back and recognize that there's an art, you know, art gets used so broadly or loosely in a lot of ways, you know, so that, as, as you say, like, it really kind of becomes at its core about making, like, Art of, you know, an art of artificer. You know, I'm not a ling- linguist, so I I can't say like things about the roots of words intelligently. I mean, I, but
1: I, I think that's probably. I mean, in my mind, that's the same root. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, you know,
3: I'm... yeah.
1: So, <laughs> it, but it's
3: it's kind of. I think when we really start talking about art, when we really are taking, you know. Okay, well, like we're gonna really have a dis- serious discussion about like you know people would say fine art, um, and so then they're really then then we're kind of putting it on a you know there's kind of a higher hierarchy. Maybe not even a hierarchy is the best way to look at it because it's just like some things transcend um, their their nature to become art, you know. Um, And that's where it's like a painting ultimately transcends pigment and binder and substrate to become, you know, magical and to do things to a human that is a difficult thing to do, you know, and I think it, it becomes... Uh, it's like you look at the, you know, if we talk about the cave paintings, it's like, you know, they probably didn't have a word for art. I, you know, but they probably had words for magic, you know, hmm. um, it's a huge speculative <laughs> proposition.
2: <laughs> I'm on just go, I am going along <laughs> with your speculation.
1: Uh, yeah. Cause
3: I know these things and, um, <laughs> but, uh, and so I, but I think, it's it's kind of like what what were they doing there you know cuz magic or you know what we would we would want to push put into the remote realms of religion you know but there's something mystical happening that there's 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 a deep mystery and it's connected with there's more going on than just making pictures about obtaining food mm-hmm. you know so, um, I think there, that when we, when you have like a basket that's decorated, it's sometimes that's, it's just a basket that's decorated and it can be really beautiful done. And there is an art to that. And so, but I think if we're really good, when we really are kind of like the meat of the, the, the. Issue is like, well, what makes what makes a painting art and a basket with decoration, craft, or a um, and some people I think would now I think they're I think we're at a point now and where it's there's a lot more people are saying, well, no, I think they're all art. You know, and I think there's some great validity to that because if we go back also art was a trade <laughs> you know mm-hmm. and it 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 was still involved with mystical and spiritual concerns but so are baskets um so i don't know i
1: it's <clears throat> your your comment about the trade uh really strikes me Mm-hmm. For one, I remember I was in Rome, and we were touring some churches. And there's a there's a church there, San Ignacio, something, um, mm-hmm. and it was it was not at the height of Ro- it was not built in the height of like Roman Catholic Church um, influence and and wealth. So instead of building a dome, the artist painted over the altar on a flat ceiling painted a dome and so you can imagine the trick of proportions that this person is able to do you know making smaller and smaller figures towards the center so that it looks like when you walk in you think you're standing under a dome so yeah, that's, good. that's incredible but i remember sitting in there and <clears throat> they actually started uh, a mass service while we were there and so we sat and, and listened and i was sketching just an angel. And nobody knows who the person is that, that sculpted this angel out of marble Next in this little prayer chapel. Who knows? It's just a person that can sculpt better than or as good as anybody in history probably, right? And the person was, in fact, just a trades person. As, I mean, okay. that's not a hierarchy. It's the, like the amount of mm-hmm. skill that was put into it, and the person's not mm-hmm. famous. So that's that's pretty interesting to me your mm-hmm. comment too about the basket the basket could be spiritual or concerned with higher ideas or whatever whatever platonic mm-hmm. ideals there are so I wonder about that as well because for a long time I always had a problem with the that implied hierarchy of art uh-huh.
3: I'm sorry <laughs> can you hear my guests no i, no, I can't hear you. Actually,
1: okay mm-hmm. much at all, good. So, good um the the implied hierarchy of Art being like, you know, fine art's the best art, and everything else is whatever. And I, I had a lot of problems with that, but then I was reading uh, a French philosopher named Etienne Gilson, and he, I don't think he said there was a hierarchy, he just said they have different purposes, or they're different primary purposes, right? So a basket's primary purpose is to carry things, um, which there's, that is not higher or lower in the value than anything else. Um mm-hmm but it has a primary purpose as opposed to something like what we would call fine art. It's just simply meant to be beautiful Uh or that's its primary purpose. It is meant to be beautiful. Um, Which at least for me helps like there's not a, there's not a distinction between high art and low art. It is all skilled. It's Mm -hmm. just thinking about it in terms of what was the intent behind it, I guess. Uh
3: Hello. It. I think it's. um Do you? Do you? I don't want to just jump in, Sam, with that. Unless you've got. Do you have anything? No. Jump in. You want to? Okay. Um, I think what's the funny thing? Like, there's this part of me that I, I call it. Like, there's the Fluxus part of me. Like, so Fluxus is, is like a performance art group, you know, and they, they're. I, I have. I think about them a lot, but it's been a long time since I've like. Studied them so uh, my, (laughs) but it's I when I think about Fluxus, it's the idea that like well everything's art, everything you know brushing your teeth can is art you know
0: (laughs) not not if you see the way I brush my teeth
3: (laughs) I don't know man it could be it's it's uh it so uh, but I think it's it's but what makes it art is that the deliberate intent you know it's it Mm -hmm. kind of goes back to Duchamp and putting the you know, the found objects, you know, like the urinal and the armory show and, you know, signing it, Armut. And it was, you know, it was, it was his, it was because he chose it as the artist, he chose this object. And so it became art. And there's a part of me that like really likes that a lot. Um, but I also think it, it gets, ex- again like with Duchamp it gets exhausted really fast you know he went through it's like he went through the whole cycle of modernism in a, a few just a few years and then he just quit making art and started playing chess so because it he just exhausted it it's you can only like go so far um in in that space but that's just that's one aspect so that's I think I feel like that's like the genesis of things like where you have people like Joseph boys who like you know was put a coyote in an art gallery with him you know and so it's and the, so you have like these really kind of boundary pushing things and most people are like how is that even remotely art um so but then at the same, there's, so you have like this huge, expansive thing that like, well, anything can be art if we essentially just say it is. So you have that side or if it's new or whatever. But, I, and there's a part of me that likes that. Um, and then there's the, there's also the part of me that is, I think art is something that's actually really rare and hardly ever happens. hmm you know, so I'm not even sure if I've ever made art, even though I've spent my whole life trying to, you know, I think it's that rare that it, and so there's, and I, I feel like the tension of both of those things, like pulling on me all the time. Um, You know, when I watch my, my kids make art and I, and it's amazing, you know, little kids are, such cool artists, and because they just f- focus on these great things. And Martel, I'm I'm also like becoming pretty influenced by Martel as I read his through, you know, as I'm kind of like immersed in his book, and uh, about art and artifice, you know, reclaiming art in the Age of Artifice, um, because. But one of the things that I love about what he does, well, he talks about this idea of the rift, you know. Is that there's this thing that happens in a, a classical piece of art like not a classical like what makes something great and there's this rift thing like Sam brushing his teeth you know it's like what's happening here <laughs> you know and it, it shifts and all of a sudden it becomes you know I'd, it's a hard thing to describe what the rift is but it's it's essential it's like a dimensional tear. From our dimension into the dimension where art reaches out and, you know, and affects us. Mm. So there's, um, and so you think about that. Well, that's becomes a really rare thing mm-hmm. when that, for that to really happen, you know, for somebody, for a painting to reach out and touch somebody powerfully, you know. Um, so it, it can, it can happen. And sometimes but it doesn't mean it's art if it's just man- emotional manipulation or something like that so you know I think what fascinates me about what Martel does is he's drawing lines and saying like well all this not everything is art <laughs> um and it's a really nuanced argument that I won't go into but I f- I find that really refreshing maybe because of saturation point that we kind of face when you like log into Instagram and you follow a bunch of of makers and it's funny that people refer to themselves as makers or creatives now um I think that's interesting I'm not sure what to do with that whatever but I I guess I'm just I just want to say that I think art maybe is really rare
0: <laughs> uh, to piggyback on that I was thinking of, on on the way to this podcast, of the artists in in Exodus and um, uh, a holy album, Bezalel, in Exodus 31. And there's a, uh, in verse 1, 1 and 2, there's a statement about what happened to them. And I'm just wondering if this could be applied to all artists. Like, this, this is what's actually going on and what's behind all artists. And it says, uh, the Lord says, See, I have called by name Bezalel, um, and and I've filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship to devise artistic signs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, and cutting stones for setting, carving wood, to work in every craft. And then he goes on and talks about a holy, holy uh, in that and all the things that and all the things that they made and i kind of i have this picture in my mind of the wizard wizard of oz and at, at the end when i think it's at the end it's been decades since i've seen it but the the like curtains taken away and you can see the man behind the curtain with all the levers and everything and he's the real one controlling everything and like like that moment for me is what these theophanies in Scripture are like when you have Jesus suddenly doing a miracle or when you have God saying that I'm filling these people with my ability like suddenly right here the curtains drawn and you see God is behind every artist or at least these artists and he's given them that ability he's given them intelligence and knowledge and wisdom and craftsmanship and part of me likes that idea that every art, and maybe it is rarer than we think then behind all artists is God coming through, breaking through into this world mm -hmm. through them.
3: It's, it's interesting that, that, um, you know, in the old Testament we, you always, you know, the Holy spirit comes upon people. You know, we always draw that distinction, you know, that the Holy spirit fills and comes into people in the New mm-hmm. Testament, but in the Old Testament he comes upon people. But if you look at the language, like Bezalel, and like it's these are the he the Holy Spirit fills them.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Like it's so it's a different. Yeah. There's something which is, and it's one of the very few instances, as far, if as far as I understand it, in the Old Testament of the Holy Spirit actually filling. Um, like coming inside in that way, so that's pretty remarkable, I, <laughs> I think. Um, and I would say then we are looking at something that's really rare in that case, you know. But, um, maybe I wouldn't venture, maybe I think it's rare, <laughs> <laughs> I but I think. And I, in if scripturally speaking, it's rare, mm-hmm. uh, you know. So I think in the in the world, art to be a the artist, what it's saying in that sense is like is This is not a byproduct of an individual, you know. And I think most honest artists would make that would confess to that, you know, this isn't the byproduct of an individual. Um, And, but it can come from a lot of, I don't know, that's a whole nother conversation of where it's coming from. I'm
1: not sure it it is a different conversation. That may be, that may be, that That that. may be the conversation. Yeah. I I mean, you can go back to the Greeks and they have, you know, every epic begins singing Mm -hmm. Meo Muse. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. and then they have, uh, they have the muses. There's nine yeah. of them, um, and they're all the the daughters of, I think it's memory. Um, yeah, It's good. And then, and so there's an invocation that that where it comes asking wherever it comes from that it would sing in me, right? It'd be that it would be in me. Um, yeah. Which is, which is interesting. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Especially if we're saying, if if you're saying, I'm not sure. Part of me, I I think maybe I'm feeling the tension that you also feel, Jack, of like, nah, anybody can be, like, anybody can make something. Anybody, a lot of people can make things well. So is that, you know, and then, then there's the other side of it, of like you're saying, no, it's, it's, it's rare, uh, is it the Platonic ideal, <laughs> right? Is yeah. there some like uh-huh. perfect form that's out there that we have bits and pieces of experience, and then mm-hmm. the limit of our skill. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
1: yeah. But yeah. I don't, and I really don't. I really yeah. don't even want to go down the road of Plato. I mean, sometimes it's helpful. You have to go through him, I think, to get there. But
3: yeah,
1: if we're going back to. Bezalel. There,
3: I, I could, I, I maybe I, I don't, I'm not a philosopher, but I when I think about Bezalel and he's building, he's building the tabernacle, which mm-hmm. is a model of a spiritual, that's you know there's a mm-hmm. there's some platonic kind of like you have the the form of the tabernacle, and then you have the tabernacle that Bezalel builds, yeah, you know, and and I I think that's really interesting. I mean, we find that out later. I think um that not, that that that's what's that that it's modeled after a structure that you know and it that you know spans dimensions at at the very least you know um, i get really frustrated about how to talk about those <laughs> things the the more and more <laughs> and because i just it, it the, the all that resists the didactic like it's this and not that and 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 that's what i think is that there's a tension in in this conversation because it's like when you say when we just like with the craft art debate or like is art rare or is it common and and the answer is yes you know i i've just it's one of those things that somehow they're both happening at the same time
0: and it's um, possible that <sighs> That the spirit can come upon a work of art, yeah, absolutely. Even if, even if, like, art is rare, and the guy or gal making it, you know, there was. Let's just say that there was no uh, spirit behind it at all, and he's just, you know, churning it out. And then, Mm -hmm. and then later, even centuries later, uh, like Seth could be sitting in the in the chapel and experience Mm -hmm. this thing, and the spirit could come upon it, and and there could be that. That mm-hmm. breakthrough. I, I I like that language that you use about reaching out or breaking through um, from the piece of art to reach us because I think that's what it does. One of the, I mean, my
1: my impression is that one of the ways that art is able to do that, well, we feel like it's a successful piece of art if it if it moves people, and one of the ways it does that is it is it has an element of novelty to it, was as in here's something that we have known to be true, but it's become, I think we've talked about this before. It's become cliche. Mm -hmm. Um, or, or, you know, maybe that's why we have different color schemes that become more popular at one time because we've, we've done all the blue periods. Now let's move on to the orange periods or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. because it, it, it makes it, makes us see it in a new light. Um, which I think there, there's value in that. Mm -hmm. Um, the other, the other aspect of novelty that I think is more valuable is that a, a marker of beauty is something that makes you stop and admire it. Um, so I, in, my, in my sense, something that's truly novel that will make you stop and the work itself upon you, I guess, mm-hmm. if, yeah. if that's the phrase we're using, um, would be that there's, it, it's rendered beautifully somehow and that that beauty is novelty right um now that opens us up because once we've stopped and quieted whatever else is going on so that we can contemplate the beauty then perhaps god comes upon us through the art through the spirit uh i don't know this is totally hypothetical at this point i'm just i'm trying to i'm trying to work out how this how it yeah well there's i was thinking
3: of it it's it's kind of like it's it's kind of like anointing Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) to use that you know and and i i mean i've seen this with my own work where it's like it can just be it can be empty and then it can be full it can just be worthless lines on the page it's all it is True. It's all of it, you know. That's all, you know. It's the color of dust, you know. What mm-hmm. we talked about. It's just a bunch of mud smeared on a on a board, you know, uh, to put it in that crude sense, and and it's organized in some fashion, and it can remain that, and then somebody comes and it can be, it can be enlivened, and maybe it's something that's in them that enlivens it maybe they're bringing this presence of god with them maybe the presence of god says now's the time Mm -hmm. for this thing to do what i what i what i need it to do you know and i know that like there's a level for me as an artist like there's just a submission of like i can only just make the stuff i can't make it powerful i can't you know because the minute if i try and make it powerful it's, (laughs) it's sort of like an affectation
1: and, yeah, and it, then, it's, you know. then you're then you're trying to manipulate people, and that's mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and may okay. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but no, go if for you it. if if you're trying to do that and you're trying to manipulate people and coax a certain response from them,
2: mm-hmm.
1: then you're then you're well then you're in danger of of, of shortcutting the whole thing, and this is what this is what Flannery O'Connor called pornography. Mm -hmm. Um, and she, she was aiming her sights directly at at Christian fiction of her day in the Mm fifties.
2: Um,
1: and saying like, no, you're trying to, which I would say most Christian movies are that at this point, like we want to coax a certain emotional response out of you. And because you're crying at the end of this movie, you feel like it has worked, but really all we did was shortcut the actual pain and sacrifice that it took to get there. And given you then just pressed a certain button which is the same thing as what porn does is is it shortcuts the intimacy that we have with a person and gives us what we think is what was the end goal but
0: really wasn't it at all um, yeah this this gets us into uh, uh, Balthazar if I could bring him up and uh, his yeah. theological aesthetics versus a- aesthetic theology and uh, for him, theolo- theological aesthetics has to, uh, has to do with um, well, they both have to do with beauty, and maybe it's helpful to substitute the word beauty for aesthetics or, or attract or attraction or something. But but for him, theological aesthetics were uh, it's beauty that comes from um, it comes from like the The ways of the things God has done, like in creation or that, or the things that He's spoken in His Word, and they're defined more by God versus what aesthetic theology would be or beautiful theology. That's what like Flannery or Connor would be referencing, where um, beauty is all up to what we think is beautiful like we're these good Christians and we want to put on this good Christian play or this this good Christian music and what our opinions and values deem to be beautiful um, we say this is you know Christian art or whatever and, and this is beautiful but Balthazar says no that's that's cheap that, like that's that's not that's not what true beauty is true beauty is defined by God and 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 and, like, Jack, you've talked about um, a, um, a famine, not, not a famine, but a, a drought before. And, like, is a drought beautiful? Like, we wouldn't think a drought's beautiful, but there's a lot of beauty in a drought. And Or, like, the book of Job, you know, where everything falls apart and that we would say, that's terrible, that's not beautiful. But uh, to Balthazar, to God's definition of beauty, even, like, what's happening in the book of Job could be considered beauty and it kind of mm-hmm. it, it it yeah i was listening to thomas merton talk and he said that uh, when a poem he said a poem better be i forget his percentage but he said, said it better be something like 85 percent unconscious <laughs> um, and you know the rest may be your skill you know the ego into it for it to be of for it to, to, to truly reach out and reach people has to be most mostly um, unconscious and mm-hmm. I don't know I like that and I think that's yeah those are the, those those are the when you have pieces like that poems like that those are the things that catch me off guard uh, in life um, and when when the hard events happen in my life the, you know the ugly events those are the things that Really reach out to me and have the most effect.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, it's like beauty. Beauty. Beauty represents a path to goodness, um, but the path sometimes is going through deep darkness. Mm-hmm. You know, and That's so it. it's like a. There's a. The path is beautiful. You know. Even though it's the dark night, so to speak, or even though it's the drought, or it's um, moral failing, mm-hmm. or um, whatever, yeah, that's, I think it's interesting with, like, when I was in art school, um, you know, they have, there's a lot of different departments, obviously, and I was in a painting department, and There is a photo and video department and illustrate, you know, whatever. But so, at the end of this each semester, every you know, all the departments had it would, you know, we had an exhibition space and we would, you know, hang paintings in it. So each department had a way to you know show their work, and it was really cool. You could go around and just see what everybody was doing. And it was the first semester that I was there, and. I went to watch all the the, the film students shorts that they had made. And they were so good. They were so good, and they were so powerful. And they made me feel so bad <laughs> <laughs> because it's like I'm, I'm like, I'm painting. I'm doing this. And what is painting? like painting can't do this. Mm -hmm. And I remember talking to my professor the next day and just telling him like, these were so amazing. And I'm so discouraged by it because, because look at how powerful these things are. And, and he said in his Welsh accent, you know, he's like, yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, that, that it's a really seductive, Mm -hmm. um, It's a really, it's a really seductive form, you know, and that was, and he said, but you know, we're painters and we're doing something a lot slower and a lot, and it's not, and I'm not saying this to say like, well, anybody that's doing video is engaged in this because it's not, you can, it's not, that's not the point, you know, the point is like my reaction um, like, I was, it was, it, it was that fast, or it was, like, um, it kind of, like, mainlined to my emotions, you know? Um, and painting doesn't do it that way.
0: I've heard it said that um, painting is about, like, if you have time and space, painting is about um, space, like, it, ocupi- it occupies a place, a space, whereas poetry is more about time you know, you have rhythm and meter, and 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 it takes takes you so long from re- to read from one end to the other, and it, it takes you through time. But it strikes me that 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 video has both <laughs> it has mm-hmm. uh, has time and space in them. So mm-hmm. there's a reason why it could be so powerful.
3: Yeah.
1: You know, it's it's. I don't think I would ever realized this before, but uh, when I started following Jack whatever social media was available to years ago. He was painting, uh, a, I don't even know if he ever even finished it, uh, a, a picture of, uh, it's Christ has returned, he's, he's been resurrected and he's surrounded, he's in this courtyard and he's, he's surrounded by all the disciples. And in the center of it, Christ is opening his robes and, and Thomas is sticking his hands into the wounds. And then you have this scattering of reactions among the disciples. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, Jack is uh, Peter, looking away. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's a fast. I don't know. I really, I don't even know if I finished it. But I remember like seeing it in pencil stage on the on the canvas. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't even a canvas. I don't think. I think it's some sort of board. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on a panel. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then kind of building the the under layers, And I think you were experimenting with some some egg tempura. Um as a bit as a base and then then you start adding in these layers and stuff and then over the course of seven or eight years i saw this thing progress uh and then i I went and visited you and saw it in your in your studio and you're pointing out you know how the light kind of goes through these translucent layers of oil and that that board that you've got it reflects that light back out so there's there's dimension to it and I hadn't I had never considered this before even though I I I drew I was an art major for a semester thinking this exists in time as well right Mm -hmm. this painting exists in time there's this massive process that there's no hurry to finish especially if you're not thinking of it in an industrial sense of like I need to get 25 paintings done for this show coming up next month or whatever um that there is there is time in that which is Also a way of looking at, this is a tangent, but uh, it's really good, but makes me consider the way that life unfolds, the kind of maybe that dark path that you were talking about earlier. Um, Like if you look at it from a different, from a different perspective that we're not able to at this point in our life, but being able to see this process layered on top of itself, Mm -hmm. that there is this. In the end this beautiful thing that is finished that we're still being part of it's almost like it's blooming in time Mm -hmm. but yeah you know um i don't know so you sam you're not you're not wrong in in thinking like all of these other art forms have time but i think i think those paintings do too it's just so slow that we're not able to see it or (laughs) It happens in the privacy of the studio, and we only get to see scene. That one
0: gets us into participation in art and participation in beauty. Jack, something that you've talked to us before on, uh, I think, unpublished episodes.
3: <laughs> our extensive back catalog. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that idea, though, uh, about participation in uh, beauty. Could you talk to that? It, I mean, behind yeah. this idea uh-huh. of what Seth just outlined of you know the yeah. different layers of our journey and of our life that are being added to make something through time be a work of art and to be beautiful. Yeah. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's participation yeah. right there.
3: there. There, it's funny. There's there's <laughs> a, so Ram Das, uh, uh, Richard Alpert, whatever, that, who goes by you know Baba Ram Das, uh, was a big kind of. Uh, figure in the, you know, the '60s and '70s, and the, anyways. But he he got, he's 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 pretty fascinating to listen to. But one of the things I love that he says sometimes he's like, okay, it's time for you to listen to me talk of unspeakable things, or something. You know, it's like, <laughs> or it's time to. It's now we're gonna talk about unspeakable things, and I love that. In the just the just that here we're gonna we're setting out to do something impossible and so just so you know we're gonna fail <laughs> you know and we're setting out to fail and that's okay like that's what we're doing so as long as we know that from the, <laughs> the beginning we're gonna talk about things that are <laughs> impossible to talk about and um, that's like participating um you know, I'm thinking about you. You referenced that thing I tried to write about transformative expressions of beauty, and um, you know, what does what does art do? What is it meant to do? And it's you know, I, I just as we're as we've been talking, I keep I think about I think you know, especially the last little bit that you were saying there, Seth. And I think like there's there's this level. It's like art belongs to God, Um... so. If we want to talk about it in the rare, well, not even rare, it's, you know, I want to say like, well, there's this this trans-dimensional thing that art does where it's when it's really doing its thing, we're being transformed and we're being placed on the path to God's goodness whatever but what does that mean and I don't know what it means and I can it's the only way to talk about it is to tell stories about it you know the only really to like do it is just to look at amazing you know beautiful paintings or to listen to poetry and or to engage like good films (laughs) or all you know whatever music there's so many things like it's it's on one level it's so overwhelming and i get overwhelmed by it you know because there is so much you know on one level i say it's rare on another level it's everywhere and i can't escape it and it it's, it fills my ears and my heart my like my skin and it's like fire everywhere and and it and all of it is like a path to the like the f- the spot on the floor in front of God's throne, which is the only place I really want to be, and and so it's and it doesn't have you know that's like I I, I always say I think I've mentioned like Cormac Begley the con- this concertina player and it's just like there was a while where it was like he was just my favorite worship leader, <laughs> you know, even though and 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 it's when I listen to him play, it's just, I can't, what it does to me is, it just puts me right in front of God. And I think that's some serious participation, I guess, <laughs> when, it, you know, to put it in, to kind of connect it to your, um, what, what you were saying there, Sam. And then, and I guess, like, When I think about the things that I make or like the art that, you know, the show I I hung today and or yesterday and today. And on one level, I just I feel discouraged. And it's like it's just a bunch of drawings. And it's like, what is it even? You know, does it is it going to do anything? Is it even does it mean anything? Is art mean anything without if somebody's not looking at it, you know, you know, so it's like I look. The, f- the first day I hung all the work and I felt like oh this is something real like this is this is maybe going to do something and then when I looked at it today it's just like it's just a bunch of pieces of paper and I kind of felt like a fool um but then you know somebody comes and they are affected by something or they are able to engage it or it's you know it's like waiting for god's it's waiting for the breath of god and sometimes you know i and i think i mean that in the sense of i don't mean like a breath from heaven necessarily that could be that that's that's good but it might just be the breath of a college student walking through there and their their breath you know brings it to life because their breath is the breath of God too, <laughs> you know. Um, so, and I think that's where it's like all oh, art belongs to God. In the sense of, I don't know how to, dis- I don't know what I mean by that, and I don't know if I have language for it. Um, so I might just have to let it, let that sit as a statement. That's a.
1: I, you know i'm i'm glad you're willing to let it sit as a statement <laughs> there was earlier earlier i was i kept trying to like well working out if where does where does my skill play into this am i able to move am i able mm-hmm. to move someone um strictly just with the thing that i made mm-hmm. or do i and I, I i don't think that's true i mean a little bit a thing of beauty is a thing of joy forever there is something that's uh, you can make something that is is beautiful. You know, it's funny. There's this, there's this movie that just came out not too long ago called Ferrari about Ferrari, uh-huh. um, Enzo Ferrari, <clears throat> and he makes a statement in it because somebody's complimenting the way his cars look, uh, and he says, "Well, they perform well, and because they perform well, that makes them more beautiful." So there is some skill. That is able to make something beautiful, right? That has that gives it good form, even if its primary purpose isn't beauty. It's something else, Mm -hmm. and I think that is going to make somebody admire. It's going to make somebody. It's going to move somebody. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah.
1: If they're if they're able to perceive beauty, if they haven't completely calloused themselves to it. Yeah. Which is another conversation. Um, Well,
3: I yeah, I think about that with like you know you look at the history of manufacturing, you know, Mm -hmm. like, let's talk, like you look at how, um, you know, industrial machinery or something, and it had ornate, sometimes, you know, it would be, it would have that black enamel, it might have some ornate like detailing or scroll work and it would be gold, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and, and it's, and it's unnecessary, you know, it doesn't have any effect on the machine but it 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 certainly has to have an effect on the person operating the machine <laughs> you know yes because it, it by contrast it has an you know those old something that has like an intentional curve to make it beautiful versus just an ugly metal box that does the exact same job true um, so it's like is the machine art or is or is it or is the detail art or is it what it's doing art? You know? Um, does it even or does it even matter what we call it, you know? I think it does. We need to like for some reason it matters, but
1: it well, it, it does, and it, but it, it, it makes me go back to my earlier statement and think, well maybe I should stop at that point right there. Yes, we're able to move. An mm-hmm. artist a skilled artist is able to move someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But move them towards what? I guess is. Yeah. And that may be beyond the intention of the artist, right? That may be beyond the ability, even if an artist intends something one way or the other, that may be beyond mm-hmm. that person's ability toward to move them towards God.
3: Right. Yeah. I mean which is interesting cuz that I mean I guess if we would speak biblically, right, it's the Holy Spirit's job to move people towards God. Yes. And 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 so like you look at that from a filling, you know, that that infilling of Bezalel, you know, or the infilling of a piece of art to do its job or to do its this beautiful thing. And I, and I don't think like i want to distinguish like I don't i'm not just i don't think either of us are talking about christian art nope. you know that's that's i think in, that's in fact
1: a lot of times it's yeah. a, a <laughs> hindrance mm-hmm. right <laughs> right
3: yeah because it's because it again it, it's like you're it enters that realm of you talked about pornography with Flannery O'Connor and
2: mm-hmm.
3: you know, the the other kind of Martel talks about that, pornography and um, propaganda you know, one using you know, desire and the other using fear Yeah. Um, you know and so you can definitely see that with Christian art um, <laughs> from a propaganda standpoint. Hey, here's this
1: thing that's marketed to you as being wholesome but really it's mm-hmm. destroying your soul. I
3: think I taught... I said something like, you know, is you know, mediocrity is even worse in, in, than pornography, in a sense of, um. And 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 maybe the, a way to like parallel that is to say something like, you know, unless you're luke, you know, because you're lukewarm, I'm gonna spit you out. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think there's a level of. And I feel this with things where it's like you have to with art it's like you have to push and you, I think you see that with maybe with the prophets too, you know, where it's like there's not there's not a a, uh, a halfway point, you know.
0: So now what I'd like to do is uh, go to the uh, spiritual mechanics piece. <laughs> and focus on a certain section towards uh, the right of it. Let me uh, get that, Uh, which you've called uh, the sanctuary. So there's the spiritual mechanics of labor and rest that we've been talking about for the last few weeks. And there's part of it that I'm very curious about, and it's called the sanctuary. And there I zoomed in on it right there. And you have a a building, like a little chapel or a building yeah. back there. What, what is that, Jack? Tell us about it.
3: Yeah. Um. Well, so when I was... Well, when Seth talked, it was asking, like, kind of in our... Before, when we were planning the, the episode and you talked about, like, what is art? like how do I see my art or like, and I I think you talk, you know, one of the categories is like litur, maybe liturgical art. Was that? Yeah, that's what, right. Yeah. That? Um, and, or like, and, and I don't think like, I think I mentioned that I don't really think about it in those categories per se, but I, I do um, think about it in the sense of, like part, you know, participating with God in a way, or, uh, but, apart, some of like how that came about, and the sanctuary thing is so like there was a point in my life where I I wanted to build this. This was something that I actually wanted to build, and um, and I want I was it was I was this was when I was still living as as a hermit out in the in southeastern kansas and i wanted to build this little um this kind of like a a a sanctuary space but it was for art you know so it would be you know everything would be taken from the land all the materials would be taken from the land the stone and the timber and um and i would build this sacred space and it would be filled with not just my art but like the art of like my friends that, that, you know, and that would just be this, um, you know, a place of, you know, I don't have, didn't have the language then for that I use now, but, you know, I would, like a place of divine encounter, you know, and I really wanted to build it, and of course I wanted to build 50 million things, but um, this, this is something I really, you know, I really wanted to build, but I didn't know how to approach it, I didn't know if it, I didn't even know if I was supposed to build it, and, but it was something, like, really, that I really cared about the idea of, and, um, and as I, like, discovered at some point in my life, like, well, I'm just gonna, the only way I know how to do it is just to make art about it, and, you know, because I don't know what else to do. So I'm just going to make art about it. So I just started making all these prints about that building and um and they would just be filled with, you know, it would have that imagery and there's one that has like it's like a little homage to um Hans Holbein's Dead Christ underneath the sanctuary and then some of them has, you know, I'm just but I'm always like asking God, should I build this? Like is this something that I can build? You know, and um, you know, and so decades have gone by since since I um, wanted to do that, and I, you know, it's not. I haven't built that stru- that structure, you know, and but it's to the point now where it's it's it. In a way, this is sort of cheesy to say it, but it's like it's, I'm that structure, like, it's it's not it's not like something it's it's my it's it's just my who I am, at this point, if that makes sense at all, like, it's it's, so what's built what's been built is life. I don't want
1: to interrupt. It's, but you the please earlier. save me. <laughs> well, no, like. <laughs> As you, it's, it's interesting to me that you were talking about, you know, early on when you were thinking about building the structure and the kinds of things that you would include in it, uh-huh. before I knew where you were going with this, it, it struck me as like, well, this is something that, especially when you said like, it would have the art of my friends in there. Mm-hmm. Like one, this is a, it's a, it's a distinctly personal place and it, it, it really kind of like this is Jack. That's kind of what it. it it's all of the things that you have you've witnessed in and, and uh-huh. uh, even those relationships become something that's now it's it's in you. That's it's interesting to me. I mean to, to have that desire to put it in a place, a, a more permanent structure probably than we are. Um that's that's kind of fascinating to me. That the the, the desire to take it from some sort of internal Emotional, mm-hmm. spiritual place that's yeah. abstract and intangible and not able to present it outwardly to the world is now in a, in uh-huh. a place that's pretty fascinating to me. You go on. I don't want to interrupt.
3: No, that that's, it's good. I mean, I needed that too. So, um, it, it's, it's frustrating. You know, like this, the, this, this is a, this all this is tough because it's like, I always end up, you know, we're, we're, we're so often we're talking about my art and my work and, and even, even that makes me uncomfortable because it's, you know, like, what's, what's that about? <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, there's only one story I know how to tell. And that's my story. Um, and there's only one way I know how to do anything authentically. And that's just, or how to, <laughs> you know, it's like, well, how do I and you know and and it's it's why when I I always have you know it's this phrase I always have it's like every day is part of one day like there's this it's a big vast holistic thing and nothing can be separated from anything else and everything matters and it's that thing where you know I had this conversation with God once and I was this in the morning I was doing chores feed my animals and you know, and it was just like, why do you, why are you doing it this way? Um, this is me to God. Like, why are you doing it this way? Why is it, and it's, it's hard to like, cause this is an internal dialogue with God. So it like, it's not all words. A lot of it's like feelings and thoughts, you know, so it's like, I have to try and convey it to you guys in, in language and that's not wholly accurate, you know, and that matters. Um, but it's like, why, you know, so like we could say it was like, why, why don't you just, why don't you just make it clear? <laughs> you know, why do you obfuscate all the time? Why, why aren't you just like straightforward about who you are and what, what you, and it, you know, in the sense of like, you know, we. and it's not in the sense of like, we'll just do a bunch of miracles like Jesus. So we know you're real. It's not even about knowing that God's real. That wasn't what it was about, and um, it's 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 almost like why don't you speak clearly? And and the answer I got back immediately was like, you're look you're like looking at the wrong metric, you know, like it's you're 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 expecting a certain type of language from me, and that's not like and like the the short version is like my language is life. My language is mm-hmm. everything. So like there's not every, every particle of everything is me talking to you and me like and it's not even talking you know it's like like you know it's so stupid how the language you know it's like it's just mm-hmm. it's everything and And so it's, there's this level where like, well, why can't I make God do what I want? (laughs) Like, why can't I, why can't, why does it have to be this way? Or, and it's, to me, it's, again, it's, it sounds cheesy in language, but it's like, it's all God's art. And like, there's this beauty of expression that's happening that we get to participate in and that it unfolds so slowly sometimes over billions of years and uh and it's and I can't pretend that knowing any the motivation you know except to like see and love right. the beauty and the goodness that I that I that I behold pouring out of of the expression that I see as God's um, yeah. everywhere and like i want to part i want to participate in that in any way that i possibly can and it's why i wanted why I'm, i want to try and do everything that i can do like i want to play every fucking instrument that was ever made i want to make all those sounds like all my life i've been like looking for this sound that i mm-hmm. can never find and it's like so it's like i sell instruments so I can bit other instruments because it's like maybe this sound is it you know and sometimes I'll get it for a while and it's like yeah this is the sound I'm looking for at this time and then it's not that sound anymore and I'm after another sound or it's like I you know it's or I, I have to like know what it means to raise sheep or you know I have to know what it means to shear them by hand and make you know clothes and now it's like becomes my children are part of that process of using that wool and spinning it and dyeing it or whatever and weaving it um it's like i just want to it's like i'm greedy for it you know and and i don't know like wh- how like and i'm i'm looking at this this little image of the sanctuary on the screen and it's just like I'm trying to cram all of it in that mm-hmm. little thing. <laughs> and um I don't know.
0: So no, sorry. That's for that. why I'm so like <laughs> I'm so drawn to you and to your vision and to your heart and to the way you're able to see things. You've talked about the spiritual sensorium before and that relates to this, I believe. Mm-hmm. We people I myself tend to fall into either we make Two different kinds of mistakes. One is like pantheism, where we think that uh, a pantheist would say, "Well, like God is everything," and, but that's like that doesn't work because that means that everything that you can that is that you can touch and feel and sense that it's just an illusion that it's not really the thing itself, but it's just God. And at the end of the time, voila, he'll 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 manifest himself. Or the other danger is dualism, where it, you know, these are just things and then God is separate from those things and these things are lesser, that's maybe that Platonic thing, and, and God is greater and other, and, and like, that doesn't work either, where, where what like Balthazar said is like, and I, I don't quite understand it, but it's that God is in those things with those things so like intensely and so and so present with everything, with everything. And he said that just like we have mm-hmm. our five senses, taste, touch, smelling, hearing, uh, seeing, the five senses behind every single one of those physical senses where we can look at a physical thing with our physical eyes, we can see it, we can hear a sound and so forth. Behind mm-hmm. every single one of those, there's a spiritual sense. And that at all times as my physical eyes are looking at a physical thing, the eyes of my heart, the eyes of my spiritual sensorium are are like taking in something about that uh, something about God that's communicating to me some kind of some kind of a message and the only the only way I, I can describe it is through a, like a negative example uh, right now that comes to mind I remember uh, going shopping for a skateboard with uh, one of my sons, I grew up skateboarding, and I knew quite a bit about it. I knew what kind of board to get, and I, I know I didn't want to go to like Walmart or you know get one of these cheap skateboards. I wanted to get a good one for him. He was like seven or eight at the time, and we went into this shop and saw this skateboard. It was you know it was smaller for him. It was a it was a good price. It was on sale, or maybe it wasn't on sale, but it was a good price, uh, and we were going to get it. The only trouble is is it had Uh, they, they have pictures on the back side of them. And the picture that it had was some kind of a, like a skull and bones in that. And he looked at that and he's like, I don't know about the picture. And I said, Oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I'll just sand it off and repaint it, you know, paint something else on it. And he's like, you know, okay. Okay. And so we got the skateboard, brought it outside, uh, right outside the store, put it on the sidewalk. And I said, you know, jump on it, get on it. Let's test it out. He put his foot up in the air. went to step on it, and he just froze. And he put his foot down, and he just started crying. And I was like, "What? What? What's wrong? What's going on?" And he just he just kept crying. He said, "I can't. I can't." And I'm like thinking, "What's happening here?" And I I it dawned on me. I said, "It's because of the picture, isn't it?" And I said, and he like nodded. I said, I "Don't. I'll sand it off. You know, it'll never be there." but he knew it was there <laughs> like he knew that it held something nice. in it that his eyes were seeing something but also in his you know little way the eyes of his heart were getting a message too and it was communicating it to him and he it was almost like the spiritual force kept him from being able to participate in that kind of a message for him and
2: mm-hmm.
0: like that's a power of art too <laughs> even like the low uh, are on the back of a skateboard. Yeah. But um, I guess all that to say, um, yeah, there is way more to meet the eye in everything. I like how you said that.
3: Mm-hmm. That's a good story. That's an important story. Um, God bless that sensitivity, you know? I mean, it's like he's... I. We have mm-hmm. to pay attention, right? Um, it's important to, and it's like, in that case, it's like he couldn't not pay attention to that. Um,
0: and I'm glad that I paid attention to him so, too, because, you know,
3: yeah, right. A big mm-hmm. part of
0: me was like, you know, no, there's nothing. There's there's nothing more to this, right? Uh-huh. You no, know, there is. Yeah. there is more.
3: Right. He's like, yeah, there's there's something huge <laughs> yeah, attached exactly. to this. And I'm not putting my foot yeah. on it, Dad. <laughs> I can't do it. I just can't do it. And, yeah, it's really, that's a big deal. I want to kind of go, um, yeah. if we still have time, because I I actually feel like this is important when I, with the this whole conversation and the, the Rilke poem, The Donor, um, and what, it, what I feel like is happening there, in, in terms mm-hmm. of participation and
0: um Should we read the poem and next, then? And stuff like that. Yeah. So this is a poem, Seth. You have that there? Uh, I do. By uh, Maria Ren- Rainier, Rilke. A, um, he was born in mm-hmm. the... Uh, not wasn't the Czech Republic then, but... Um, he's Czech and um, yeah it's originally in German and we have a a good translation here
1: he also wrote I think about half of his poems in French Um, multilingual Um, this is called The Donor that is what he had ordered from the Painters Guild It's not that the Savior himself had appeared to him, or even that one single bishop ever stood beside him, as depicted here, gently laying his hand upon him. But this, perhaps, was all he wanted, to kneel like this. He had known the desire to kneel, to hold his own outward thrusting tightly in the heart, the way one grasps the reins of horses so that when the immense might happen, unpromised and unpaid for, we might hope that it wouldn't notice us, and thus, undistracted, deeply centered,
0: it would come closer, would come right up to us. So that's a, that's a, a poem about, called The Donor, and it's a, based on a painting by, would you say Jack Hans Memling?
3: Hans, Hans Memling, yeah. And it's the wing, like he's paying attention to this one wing of a of a triptych that, like, the center of the triptych is Saint oh, yeah, Christopher. yeah, I have that here. I'll put it up. Like so, here, so yeah, yeah. There, so that's the center of <laughs> it. Um, but then it's got the two wings, which they're on a different page. But you've got it on the computer, I think, over there, Sam. Yeah somewhere
0: is that coming through
3: um oh no let
0: me I'm not, not yet yeah there we go
3: um and i was just when you went off to deal with the with with the with the situation i was just telling sam it's like well i pulled out my mimling book you know <laughs> uh, as one does <laughs> as one does you know um if i had a nickel <laughs> for every um, mimling book you for have every every <laughs> mimling book <laughs> um, um the uh he's he's a really sensitive painter you know i mean one of that's always one of the things i've loved about mimling is like there's a, like there's the there's like a real gentleness or about the i don't know there's he's 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 one of my favorites um and and it seems appropriate that Rilke would respond to him. You know? Um, so... But I, but I just... Someone... What I saw, so just wanted to give a little bit of uh, love to... So it is,
0: this is called the Moreel <laughs> Triptych. And it was done in eight, uh, 1484. I have that there. And it was comm- um, um, commissioned by William Moreel and his wife... Mm-hmm. And Because they gave, I guess this is what they used to do. You could probably speak more about this than I can. But uh, he donated to the church, to St. James Church. And he he gave enough money to like extend the chapel or something. And so uh, Memling then was commissioned to do this painting. And as a way of kind of honoring his gift, they would put the donor somewhere... <laughs> In the painting and so here you have this painting uh-huh. with Saint Christopher right in the middle uh, holding up Jesus on his shoulder so you have Christ you have a saint you have other saints there too uh, and then you have um, actually on the on the right side I believe it's uh, Memling's wife I'm not Memling uh, but the donor's mm-hmm. wife and some of his children. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. they had like 18 children in all. But then all the way to the to the left, you have uh, the donor Memling uh kneeling there with yeah. the bishop's hand uh, on his shoulder and and that's what um Rilke is writing about.
1: There's a lot going on in this poem and the painting. Um mm-hmm. and since he's the poem is pretty much only dealing with that left mm-hmm. panel of the, of the donor and the bishop. Mhm. Um, it's probably where we'll focus the conversation. I, I do like the
0: idea but of having it all though because it's like no, yes, yeah. he, he's, he's not like he's not the focus. The donor's not the focus of the thing. Uh, Jesus is the focus of the thing or Saint Saint Christopher and Memling's there like if I, not Memling the donor's there, real is there and to me he's like you know what am I what am I doing here? Like, do I belong here in this in this sacred picture? I thought
3: it was interesting when, like, looking at all the different translations that you guys mustered up mm-hmm. of this poem. And that that alone was fascinating, first of all. And I thought it was interesting because one of the things, at least it seemed to me as I was looking, like, reading through them last night um, before I went to bed, and there, was, there seemed like there was almost, like, I started to get a sense of like a mixture of of cynicism and and mercy, mm. you know? And and it seemed like diff, different translations would like shift where the mercy and where mm. the cynicism was in the in the poem. You know, because and and some of it I think is it's hard with looking at something like this from 21st century eyes where we have like, you know, Everything's named after a corporation, um, you know, and uh, and that there, you know, you have like a rich person who's like I'm, 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 I'm so holy. I'm going to put myself into make make my higher commissionist piece that will feature me showing how holy I am. Um. So it's easy. It's kind of easy to be cynical about that in a way but then like you start to like pay attention to mm-hmm. the poem more and it and it starts and it starts to feel like it's almost like the donor like it's almost like Rilke's channeling the donor saying at being like Moses in a sense of being like you know lord mm-hmm. show me your glory and it and it All of a sudden, turns into something really, really Mm -hmm. beautiful, uh, in a very awkward way. You know, I don't know if that makes makes sense or not. What I'm kind of trying to get at there, you know, that but it's because it's 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 you have like these three these all these layers happening for it to get to Mm -hmm. that point, even.
0: Um, In the way that the the bishop has his hand on his shoulder. to me, it looks so like he is kind of encouraging. He's trying to help him, uh, like reassure him of of his place there, and that that's that the mercy part that that comes through for me. Uh huh. <clears throat>
1: Back to the translation thing. I thought it was I thought it was kind of interesting as well, Jack. Um, some of them were better than others. Some of them, like you said, emphasized different things. I, I have a friend who, um, who at 90, 90 years old, decided to translate a hundred real key poems from French and German. Um, and I, so I emailed him and I was like, Hey, we're talking about this poem. Do you know, do you know if you translated it? His name is Don Williams. Um, do you know if you translated it? And I said, it's, it's called the donor. And, He emailed me back pretty quick. He's like, I don't think I translated that one. Um, And then he emailed me again the next day and said, wait, I did. Uh, And he had titled it. And I don't think of any of the translations I saw, they were all called the donor. But his was titled The Artist's Commission, which I thought was fascinating. Uh, And so I I sent him this. and He goes, but when I translated, I didn't really understand it very well, um, what was going on. And I was like, "Well, I think it's I think it's about this painting that we're looking at here." Uh, and so he he went back and looked at his poem again, and he said, "Well, I'm gonna throw it out and <laughs> start over." <laughs> um, so, but it's it, interesting. It is it is interesting to me that it, because he didn't know the subject matter. This is this kind of poem is what we call an ekphrastic poem, which means it's a poem about a piece of art, and that can be. Typically, it's about paintings, but it could be anything. It could be a poem about a song that already exists, um, and one of the it, not knowing the subject of the poem, but seeing it as a poem that exists on its own without without the painting. And that he chose to title it "The Artist's Commission," which I think is adds this or draws out a layer that I probably ha- wouldn't have come across otherwise or thought about otherwise. Because we can kind of see the, the, the expression on the, on the donor's face. and But also thinking about this in terms of his response to art uh, being a way that, hold on, there's a line in there that really struck me. Uh, He said, this perhaps was all he wanted to kneel like this. He had known the desire Mm -hmm. to kneel, but he hadn't felt it. He hadn't knelt like that. Um, And so the artist putting him in this position, one, to pose for it, um, where he's now in the position of kneeling, and he's going to be there for a while, that he now has to contemplate in a way that he probably hadn't been made to do before. And so the art is making him do it. And then he's also, his expression, his contemplation there is also being captured in the moment by Mimbley. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Which I think is, since we've been talking about what, what is art and what is the role of art Mm -hmm. and the participation in art, I think that's, maybe even against this donor's will. If we were to take the absolutely cynical side where he's just, I want to be remembered forever, put me in a painting. Um, but now he's he's been put in this position of humbling himself in a position of reverence. I think that's pretty fascinating The art can do that to a person. It's it's
3: funny, you know, I at, at dinner, I, I just, after, after I read this just a little passage from revelation which is the winged beasts and how they throw down their crowns and cry holy 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 is the lord mm-hmm. god almighty and it's like there it's this idea that they're eternally doing mm-hmm. this almost you know they're in this eternal you know which we you know we it doesn't mean it's a really long mm-hmm. time you know but there's something about, there's, I don't know, something about this reminds me of that in a way where it's because, you know, for right now, that's the closest we can get to, eterni- to eternal in, in the sense of like, what, what for this painting in the sense of like, here's this guy who's eternally mm-hmm. kneeling, um, gazing at St. Christopher bearing. Christ, you know, and even if you think about like Saint Christopher and who he was as Reprobus and like was it this giant who was like would only serve the most powerful you know, and you think about the donor as like here's this powerful man and but you know reprobus would and here and here's reprobus the, the most powerful king could serve as is mm-hmm. the baby you know the child of Christ and he's carrying him and bearing him um bearing mm-hmm. the image and I don't know I I don't know if that's too much of a leap but I just I think about that there there is something mm-hmm. striking about that and that in a sense too of when I think about the san- that sanctuary and the only way I knew how to I couldn't build it, so I had to make art about it. I had to make art about the building
2: mm-hmm.
3: of it or to make art about me building it. And it's the same thing. It's like, well, I don't know how else mm-hmm. to worship. So maybe if, maybe if I give enough money, <laughs> it, it's, it seems like a funny way mm-hmm. to do it. But maybe there's a maybe it's mm-hmm. first fruits, you know. In I mean,
0: uh, John 17, uh, Jesus defi- he says, "This is eternal life that they that they know me." So, when you you talk about eternal life, and you, you mention that it's not just time going on forever, but it is that relationship that they might know me, and there he is, you know, for eternity, <laughs> knowing knowing him in a relationship. Uh, With him, Mm -hmm. I I love the, I love the last line in this context too. When we were, when I was talking about Balthazar and and Jack, you were going off about uh, God's presence and like (laughs) the sheep and everything that you're doing right there. The last line says uh, that it would come closer, would come right up to us. Like there it is, right there. Like we're so close. It's he's he's right there. Mm -hmm.
2: He's,
0: He's just right there, and. Uh, eternity being that right there relationship that we can have and that we can enjoy Yeah. unpromised and unpaid for as Rilke says
3: uh-huh. yeah there's another um, if, if I can find it here um, there is somebody sent me a, a quote from Milka, actually un, unrelated to this poem that is seems to harmonize well with what you just said and and let everything happen to you beauty and terror just keep going no feeling is final um there's a little bit of eternity Mm -hmm. in there there's a little bit of Mm -hmm. the path you know the path through terror to goodness um there's beauty there i mean it's there's You can go on, um, you know, is, you know, you have time, which is go on, and you have eternity, (laughs) and uh, you have beauty, and you have terror, and that's, it's all drawing near, Um, and I think that, I think that is kind of what art does, you know, what I like to think that art does is it's and this and I, art is like, it's like a mystical mm-hmm. encounter, you know, are at its, at, I think it can do that. I really think art can do, function as a mystical encounter with, with God. Um, and, and maybe that's what's happening to our, our buddy here, Mr. Mm-hmm. Moriel. um, Maybe he's locked into a, this beautiful mystical encounter and I hope he is.
1: There's a, Rilke has another poem, and it's, it's one of his more famous ones, called The Archaic Torso of Apollo. Hmm. And it's another ekphrastic poem where he's, he's looking at just an ancient uh, ruin of what was a, a statue of Apollo who is the god of kind of artistic beauty. Um, and he's looking at it, and, you know, it's it's a ruin, so it's missing the head, it's just the torso. Um, and then he gets to the end after he's looked at this thing, and it says, <clears throat> uh, For here there is no place that does not see you. You must change your life. When you have this yeah. encounter with this with." The beauty, and you're required to change your life, which I I think really kind of goes along. I mean, maybe this is probably one of the large, overarching themes of Rilke's entire work. But looking at the looking at the donor here, gazing at Christ in this position, <clears throat> and realizing I must change my life, um, I think is probably a really important thing that Rilke. I mean, it's, if he's doing it constantly in all of his work, this is something that he's wanting us to, to gather. To, um, um, what does he? What does he say specifically? Um, it's not that the Savior himself had appeared to him, right? And just like in the Apollo poem, it's like we can't gaze on his ancient head because it's missing. It's there's it's it's a there's a it's almost like you have to gaze at it slant. It's it's not yeah, directly. Right. I can't mm-hmm. see it directly. Yeah.
3: Um peripheral vision.
1: Exactly. But I know there there it is. And then you see, even in the way that this this uh mimling po or Mim- uh sorry, mimling painting is that donors off to the side of the whole thing like he's hiding. Mm-hmm. Uh what Sam was talking about earlier that when it comes right up to us, but I really like the fact that he's like, maybe it won't <laughs> see us.
3: Yeah. Yeah,
1: I was like, I'm like hiding in the bushes, and I see like a deer walk into the glade, and I'm 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 trying to get this glance of it, and maybe it'll come up close enough, but I can't. Um, and there it is, and maybe it comes up right to us, uh, and our only
0: proper response then is, I must change. Don't my you have those experiences in life though, where you know that God is trying to break through to you, like you're going through something, you someone said something to you and you sense like in that in the in the painting everybody is like still stagnant the only movement in it is saint christopher and christ they're like alive they're like coming at you and there's so many moments where i know that god wants me to change like i know that he's coming at me with something and it's like oh man i, I hope that's not really him <laughs> like I hope he's not really calling me to do this right now. Like, maybe may, I'll just I'll just pretend. I'll close my eyes, and maybe then he won't see me. You know, like we do when we were kids—put the blanket over—and if I can't see them, then maybe he won't be able to see me. Hmm.
1: You know, that's that's interesting that you, that you read. I mean, because I I think that was my first interpretation too. And then I, the more I read, went back and read those lines. It was more like, I hope I don't scare him away. Um, I, this thing, it, it's this, it's this moment where I don't, I don't want him to leave. My dad, my dad told me this story that happened when he was, he was probably 19 or 20. Uh, him, he and mom had just gotten married. They were in this, it was the seventies. So it was kind of this Jesus, Jesus movement era. Daddy, he had just left the Catholic church and, um, so the, the religion to him felt fresh and exciting. Um, not the Catholicism doesn't offer that, but like it was this moment. He's, he he went to a friend's house. They had played some dominoes. They had had supper, and they would end every evening that they hung out with these people with prayer and and singing on the front porch before they would leave. Is kind of their 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 way they parted, and he he says. Uh, they're standing there they get finished singing and then they open their eyes and there's this this light in the midst of them he's like I don't know if it lasted for a thousand years or a second I don't know it was there and I mean I, he told me this story all growing up so I, I take it absolutely he has no reason to make this story up and I you know still occasionally we'll still have this conversation but I think one of the things that n- nobody would talk <laughs> when this was happening um and then they were afraid, I think, that, you know, you say something, it, it goes away. It's kind of like whenever Jesus mm-hmm. transfigured on the mount and the Peter, James, and John are sitting there. And they're like, hey, can we build you a, a, a dwelling place of some sort? And the media is like, it's over. You know, <laughs> you scared them off. Mm-hmm. Not that you're scaring God off, literally, but, like, you impeded on the moment. Yeah. You tried to push yourself into it instead of just receiving yeah. it. Um, I think that, gosh, thinking about the the donor here in this situation, um, and ourselves in the donor's spot, and ourselves in the artist's spot, saying like, there has been moments where I have seen this happen and I didn't want to scare it away, mm-hmm. and then it's gone, and I have to my discipline is words. Jax is, is, is painting or uh, making something. Um, Sam, Sam, yours is, is prayer or uh, sermons or, uh, these are the things, this is just the discipline that God has given us. It could be Bezalel and you work in gold and bronze and stuff. Uh, but there's this moment where like I want to, I have to try to put this down and communicate it to somebody else. Um in a way that's derivative, I guess, but still inspired and moving. I don't know. It's good.
0: All right. Well, uh, we have our website, colorofdust.com. If you haven't visited, please uh, visit there and um, where you can uh, learn more. And we're also on Instagram so support us that way too there is a way to um to donate to help us keep going to cover some of the costs there's a tab on our menu for that some people have inquired about that so i just wanted to say that um, if you i haven't mentioned this but if you could leave a review on apple Podcasts, that would be uh, helpful for, to help people uh, find the Color of Dust podcast, but you have to do it specifically, I guess, on Apple, maybe Spotify too, uh, I'm not sure, but we're on there uh, as well. And we got a recent uh, note from one of our listeners, uh, Ron, that I would like to read just a portion of uh, for everyone's encouragement. Ron said, uh, he said, I listened to the first three hours, so the first few episodes, on my way to Tulsa, Oklahoma, to visit the Bob Dylan Center, which I thought was fitting. A mystic and a prophet like Dylan was helping me on this way. So, he says, as a guy who has been struggling and wrestling with all with all that you three have been discussing, I have to thank you from the bottom of my heart and spirit. Those hours I listened are changing me. You have lit a spark. Thank you. What a wonderful, miraculous gift the color of dust is. Did I say thank you enough? You're a life preserver in the storm. So thanks, Ron, for those uh, kind words. Uh, we, we really appreciate that. We really appreciate uh, everyone listening. I wanna leave everyone uh, with this uh, benediction. And now may you see the beacon fire rising before you, and may you have the courage to light your own fire. And may it burn a hearty flame, no matter the storms or battles without, or the doubts and traitors within. And may others see your burning witness, so they are inspired to light their own fires. And may we all receive the outcome of our faith, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. All right. We'll see you guys.